Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. Ready to get 30, 30, ready to get 30, ready to get 20, 20, 20, ready to get 20, 20, ready to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month. So give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. From Backpage and the big interview with Graham Hunter, I'm Neil White. Coming up, Graham Hunter, Pete Jensen, more of your questions in part two of the monthly Q&A. Graham Hunter is here, Pete Jensen is here, and socio Aaron Docklin is kind of here. Aaron is one of our socios at patreon.com forward slash Graham Hunter. Those guys get early access, ad-free episodes, and they get to contribute to these shows. And Aaron sent in this question for you too. Graham, Pete, as always, massive appreciation for the work you both do. A question from me about Ansu and the recent comments from Lucho as he announced the Spain squad for the Nations League. Based on the dynamic between Lucho and Ansu, as well as his intel from his connections at Barca, is there any wider meaning we should read into those comments? For example, an expectation that Ansu responds to the gauntlet being thrown down or that he needs to regain some of his confidence to make the cut for Qatar. Is there any risk of this backfiring one way or another? Graham, you've seen the entire Ansu story so far. What's your take on how he is being handled by the national coach? Yeah, I think Aaron makes a fair point because... um Given the way that uh, Luis Enrique was talking about other players, I don't really care how they're doing at their clubs. I, I trust them for what they do for me. Asensio's had very little football before his goal against Leipzig the other day. Um, Jordi Alba's having you know, a, a very testing season in terms of either how much time he's, he's getting or how much time he's going to be allowed because of the, the pressures on Xavi to to try and make sure that Alba, by the end of the season, is sick and fed up and, and moves and, and forgoes the last year of his contract. But both of them are in the squad and they're just two examples of when uh, Lucho Martinez said, I, I do it my way. So Ansu could have been picked. My opinion is that his... his if, you, if we hadn't seen him scoring those goals against Sevilla or away in the San Siro against Inter, breaking records, being, being the youngest Champions League scorer ever, the youngest scorer for Spain ever, the youngest scorer for Barcelona ever, if we hadn't seen those and we'd only seen the things that he's done this season when introduced, we'd be saying, this is a very talented footballer. So I, I don't think his, his form, uh, pound for pound, is that bad. I think that in some of the games where he's not scored, his movement has been clever. His first time passing, his his ability to to find solutions in in small spaces, 
and his innate understanding of where to put the ball when he strikes at goal and, and when to release, these things are, are all still pretty high level. So I think he could have gone with Spain. Um, my opinion, and, and Aaron, it's not fact, is that in all likelihood, this was pacted between Xavi and uh, Luis Enrique, that the best thing for Ansu is to spend the next several days still working on his fitness. Because let's be clear about this. When you go with Spain, you're not working on your fitness. You're not rehabbing in any way. You are working on tactics. You're working on mutual understanding. You're trying to win two games, whereby with the right haul of points, Spain go to the final four of the Nations League. <coughs> Apologies, guys. And therefore, I think that this was a, a, a gamble by the Spain manager to say the best place to get Ansu Fati fit and on form for me when I select my squad to play against uh, Jordan, which is the last game before the World Cup, and my squad to go to Qatar, the best bet for me is that Ansu Fati continues his rehab in training at Football Club Barcelona and then in a handful of games makes an impact and, and comes with the national team to the World Cup. That's my opinion about what's going on. Yeah, I think that I think that's a that's a good analysis in terms of why they why they've done it and um and the, the idea of Luis Enrique in conversation with Xavi, we know that they talk and we know that they've spoken about Ansu. Um, there was a story that Ansu's parents had, had already booked tra- made travel plans to go to Portugal and and, and watch him and, and and so maybe there's a maybe that suggests that his camp is sort of not not on the same page as those two coaches trying to look after him. I think the other advantage of, of not having him in this squad is it kind of, um, what do they say in Spanish, pincha the globo, it kind of burst the, the bubble a little bit because, you know, they don't, I'm sure it, it won't help Ansu physically if emotionally it's all on him to be the star of the World Cup and to come back, and, uh, you know, with the, with the, with the trophy. Um, and, and not having him in these two games coming up kind of takes the... The, the the pressure off him takes the focus off him puts it on other players and then if he makes a great blindside run into the squad into the team and surprising everybody um, including the Japan and, and Germany and Costa Rica defence in the group matches then you know that's perfect and that'll be mission accomplished for Luis Enrique and for Xavi OK more World Cup stuff coming up later listeners but for now a question from socio Robert Ryan who says I have a question about Bilbao I can't say I'm a fan but keep half an eye on the team with its unique nature with them having such an excellent start to the season I thought I would ask about the perception of that club by the rest of Spanish football with their Basque only squad is there disdain admiration a mixture of the two Pete I thought that's something that maybe briefly but some of us who watch La Liga from the UK and elsewhere don't always get so how would you say Athletic go over with fans of other clubs uh, I think uh, um, overwhelmingly a, a, a popular club among among neutrals, um, a team that no one particularly wants to do badly. You know, you everyone has their team, and then you have teams that you you like to see doing well, and not and teams that you like to see not not doing well. And I think Athletic are in the first group. Um, in terms of being admired for their stance, I think people are so used to the, the policy of of only signing Basque uh, country players. That it's just not a thing anymore. It's not something that anyone ever thinks about. What always amazes me as an outsider and an immigrant in Spain is, it's never it's never debated. I mean, they've gone through seasons of of being pretty awful and quite dull to watch as well. And you just think, well, have the debate. You know, why don't you sign a 
you know, limit it to two, sign two foreign players every every summer. Um, but it's just it's just never it's never considered. It never comes under consideration. And we know that it makes the the victories when they come along all the more sweet. And um, you know, they're 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 not just doing well at the moment. They're they're fourth, and I think they've got a chance, albeit an outside chance, of actually staying fourth and, and making it into the Champions League. Europa League would be great. That's the plan, just to get them back in Europe. But not only are they getting the results, they're great to watch. They're absolutely fantastic to watch. They were brilliant at the weekend. It was probably the best game of the weekend, the best performance of the weekend, with the two Williams brothers up top and Munain and, and Berenguer in behind and, and, Unai, and um, Sunset, who are in Sunset, who looks a, a great find as well. So they're fantastic to watch. Um, and they're going to have a great season under Valverde, and they deserve it. And Valverde deserves it as well, by the way. Graham, it's almost like as if Aberdeen only signed players who could speak the Doric. Just Robert, you, you know, I'm just sitting in a in a in a daze of rapturous joy at Neil's um, allusion there. Oh, well, listen, um, it was very close to that in 1983 when we became the only club in Scotland to to amass two European stars. The majority of the lads spoke the Doric. Men. This is the Aberdeen dialect, is Rob- it, right? Doric is is the Aberdeen. Yeah, it's yeah. Dialect, yeah, that's that's right. There's a certain senior status of uh, awarded to Athletic as an institution, not just as you know how they're playing or who their coach is. Now there, there's a there's definitely a, a, a reverence about the institution, about the idea. They're very good at propagating their their ideas. Very recently, they had a, a film and football festival, in fact, over the last couple of days, and they 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 extend an awful lot of sort of outstretched arms and links to, to British football deliberately because of the extent of the um, British involvement in the emergence of the club initially, including their, their famous bowler-hatted coach, Mr Pentland. And therefore, I think that the part of what you're asking about is is an image that goes beyond simply their refusal refusal to hire anybody other than Basque or, or Basque-born or Basque-trained uh, footballers because they, they, they work pretty actively at getting the message across and one of the things that I think um, you know there aren't that many cities in the in the Primera where there's only one club and therefore when you go and see Athletic in the city of Bilbao it's a very special experience and I think that's still true whether you're a player or whether you're an opposing coach or whether you're a fan or a broadcaster or a tourist visitor Samames is now Genuinely extraordinary. It's a magnificent stadium. It was, it's hard to imagine. I don't think, Robert, you've ever told us in, on this podcast about having been to the old Sam Mamas, which was was beautiful. It was stunning. It was eccentric. It was, it was a bit creaky, but it was romantic. It was everything you'd want to see at an old stadium, um, an historic stadium in one of Spain's most historic clubs. And to be able to do what they've done is is literally amazing. I was there not only for, for football, but I was there for the European rugby finals, which is a whole weekend. I was working and hosting and broadcasting and it, it worked as a venue, both the city and the stadium equally well for thousands and thousands of rugby fans congregating from all around uh, Europe. It's it's a brilliant sports city. It's a, it's well worth a visit if you can ever get there. Everybody listening, try to get there if you possibly can. It was going to be the host for... Um, Spain in the Euros until the, the pandemic did for that. That would have been such an interesting experiment. It would have been so fascinating to see, like the Camp Nou being host for the Spain national team in the 92 Olympics and 
Pep Guardiola, young Pep Guardiola, saying that retrospectively, the night before the final, he expected there to be about 20,000, 25,000 people in the camp now as the Catalans demonstrated their <clears throat> disaffection for the national team, even the national Olympic team. The stadium was full. It, it was a brilliant comeback win over Poland. It was the gold medal night. And <clears throat> maybe it wouldn't have been quite the same as Sam Mamas in the Euros, but I would have loved to have seen it because... This is a, an institution, a club, a reputation which is growing, I think, in, in luster with each passing year at the moment. And, and just to, Pete, I understand what you said about it, it not being questioned. I was up there filming for Revista once and Chopra Bar was is one of their great, great legend players. Think Willie Miller, if you want, uh, Robert Neal. And I did ask him and he was like, don't be ridiculous. He said, we will never change. This is us. We haven't adopted a position. Why would we change? Everybody else has got it wrong. And to quote Kaiser Soce, uh, the greatest trick that Real Sociedad ever pulled off was going open um, with John Aldridge and Dallin Atkinson because that meant that Athletic were like, great, that's just us now. We'll never change. Quick break, back with more Usual Suspect stuff after this. Selling a little or a lot? Shopify helps you do your thing however you cha-ching. Shopify is the global commerce platform that helps you sell at every stage of your business. From the launch your online shop stage to the first real life store stage. All the way to the did we just hit a million orders stage. Shopify is there to help you grow. Shopify helps you turn browsers into buyers with the internet's best converting checkout. 36% better on average compared to other leading commerce platforms. Because businesses that grow, grow with Shopify. Get a $1 per month trial period at shopify.com slash work. Shopify.com slash work. And we're back with a question from Jake Garlic. So, you know, we've touched on this a little bit already with Betis, but what's the ceiling for some of the teams higher up in the league uh, than they usually are. Could both Betis and Villarreal make the Champions League? Could Osasuna and Athletic qualify for Europe? Graham Betis, Villarreal, Osasuna, Athletic. Which of them have got staying power? Who might fade away as the season gets old? Um, I, I, I've said on La Liga Television and a lot of our socios um, listen in, so there's no point in changing. I think that it'll be an enormous achievement for Betis to make top six. I think their squad is light in certain areas. And that's largely because although they've added two Brazilians, one at centre-half, one at right wing coming on his left foot, the ability to spend, the ability to renew their players went right down to the wire, again because of financial fair play. They're extremely enjoyable. It would be hell on earth if Borja wasn't available for six, seven, eight weeks because of some sort of injury. So Betis, I'd love to see it, but... I think if they can make a big stab at retaining their, their Copa del Rey, if they can make lots of money in Europe, then requalifying for the Europa League, I think, is, is, a, is an aim that w- would, be, would be a big achievement. Osasuna, <clears throat> I'd like to think so. They've got a, a genuinely superb um, resources manager in Braulio Vasquez, who, who found the manager, backed the manager, wrote the theme tune, sang the theme tune, um, has been really good at mixing signings with academy players and the academy players are, are, are 
are not only coming on well and playing a lot at Osasuna, but when they decide to sell, if they do, will make them a lot of money. It's a healthy club. It's a, it's a beautiful stadium. It's a it's a raucous atmosphere. Let's see. Champions League, no chance. Europa League, Conference League. Please let them have a, a, a proper tilt at it. And I think the other two you mentioned, uh, Neil, were Villarreal and Athletic. Is that right? Those are the fighting clubs for fourth place. I think Athletic do have it within their power. I thought Villarreal had had a shoe in to be third or fourth. I, I've got you know big troubles about where Atletico are at right now. They've such resources that right now I don't think they'll drop out of the top four because there's there are so many good players at Atleti, but I think they're vulnerable. And I think that Villarreal and Athletic set their sights on third and, and then accept whichever one of them fights it out for fourth. But it's that that's going to be one of the beautiful parts of this season. Villarreal, hungry as, as anything, but still not quite yet. They, they so need either Danjuma fit for the rest of the season or Gerard Lope, uh, Moreno back and fit and super you know, powerful in, in scoring terms for the rest of the season because largely the rest of the squad is very, very attractive. I'm a bit more optimistic than Graham about Betis. I think they can I think they can last the pace and I think they'll still be in the fight for fourth. I think there definitely will be a new team at fourth. I don't think Sevilla will recover sufficiently. Uh, I agree with Graham. Atleti have got enough to still finish third. So you're talking about one place. Um, Athletic, I think, are definitely in there with, with Betis. Um, uh, Real Sociedad, it's such a shame that Sadik has got injured and is going to miss the whole season. I think that would have been fascinating to see how, how their season panned out with him up front. Um, I think Villarreal are the favourites, though. Um, they're, in the, they're in the least important of the European competitions. They've already made it quite clear that they intend to send out a second, a second 11 for the, for the conference games. Um, that makes them uh, stronger in, in the league. But they're still showing that Emery thing of, you know, not quite doing enough in the really big games. They didn't do enough against Betis uh, the week before that. I can't remember who they played, but they also just not quite enough against another big rival, although they did beat Aleti earlier in the season at the Metropolitano. But it's all set up for Villarreal. Graham's pointed out before, the one thing with Villarreal, they don't have great rotation in midfield. Centre midfield, you you worry if they if they got a, lost a couple. Pareco started the season on sensational form, but if they lose him, um, you know, you, you're looking at, but there's Trigueros, uh, Capu... And Coquelin. Um So that's maybe the one weakness in the squad. But I think it, Villarreal, Emery's first season won the won, won a trophy. Second season, Champions League semi-final. This season, it should all be about getting fourth. Um, and and I, I would say they're the favourites to finish fourth. OK, let's finish with um, two quick questions on the World Cup. One on its impact in terms of La Liga and the other about the Spanish national team. First one comes from Tom Lee. Gents, we're in a truly unique season, one with a World Cup deftly positioned with all the finesse of a Skulls can opener pass right in the heart of it. Uh, what will be the impact when players have returned and resumed La Liga duties, both individuals and teams? Who will be best prepared? I guess this could also be about who has the fewest players who are going to be going to Qatar. Uh, could the big guns collapse and allow a squad less exposed to the World Cup to nick in? Yeah, it's like the the old Argentinian way of doing it, isn't it? Apertura, Clausura... It's going to be very interesting to see. I th- I think you'd expect Madrid to benefit most because they've probably got the best um, um, fitness coach in, in Pintas um, and they've got the deepest squad and they've also got money to spend in January. Um, 
which don't rule 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 out them doing. Although based on the last couple of um, games, they the, their confidence about not needing to replace Benzema looks looks well placed. Um, they it, it should favour them. It should favour the, the bigger sides with the bigger squads um, because even though the smaller sides won't have um, that many representatives at the tournament, they're still going to go into an off season period and they're going to have to have a pre season and they're going to have to. You know, hit the ground running again at the start at the restart. So, I'm not sure there's that much to be gained by not having players at the tournament. Um, so, I think it will it will favour the bigger sides, and, and it ought to favour it ought to favour Real Madrid. Yeah, it makes total sense what uh, Peter's saying. Um, I, I particularly like his point about Pintus, who at the moment is doesn't have an equal in in Spanish fitness preparation. Um, although the the mentality, the character of the squad is absolutely. Uh, crucial. There was a big interview, which unfortunately we didn't do, with Zinedine Zidane a few years ago, when he talked about the effect of winning the 1998 World Cup. And he said it took him six months to even think or feel like a normal person again. And he said that he he didn't know what was happening to him, that the effects were absolutely gigantic, and he, he couldn't shake it off. And at the moment, I'm trying to remember who it was who put the ball in for Mario Götze to score in the final where Argentina were beaten 1-0 by Germany. Andre Schurle from the left wing. And I was at Chelsea, again, six or seven months after he'd put that ball in for Götze to win it and talking to a friend of mine there on the scouting staff. And he said that Schurle was lost. Completely, he didn't know. He was. He said he had come to them, to the coaching team, and said, "I'm working as hard. I'm totally focused on Chelsea. It's. I haven't been celebrating and out on the lash, and nothing's working for me. Everything's gone wrong. I, I don't know. I'm wading through mud. I'm certain that not every player feels that, and I'm certain that you, you could come back from having won a World Cup, feeling an enormous boost. But just for example, if it, France don't look very like defending their title. But just for example, Benzema and Camavinga and Chalmeni um, come back having won the World Cup and, and have Zidane-esque or Schurla-esque reactions. How, how Tom, in all honesty, can, can Peter I predict that properly from now? Who picks up injuries? You know, a, a big player for one of the La Liga clubs who, who picks up an injury um, in Qatar, which again is completely unpredictable. I... I and every football person, again, I won't speak for Pete, he can speak for himself, that, that that I've talked to said, like, we're making plans. We know what we'd like to be able to do in order to cater for this effect, but we don't know. So I guess that from maybe February, March, we'll begin to attribute things we're seeing to the World Cup effect, and that will be the theme of the race from January to, to, to June. But... Um, one thing I'm absolutely clear about, Tom, is that we we ask one hell of a lot of our footballers. It's one hell of a lot. There'll be there'll be the the shrewd managers, whoever they be, Ancelotti will be one of them. Will will deliberately not put some of his big players straight back into the team when football restarts at club level, and it, it's like coming back from the depths of the ocean. There's going to be a decompression chamber for for certain big players of, of certain ages, whereby as good as it is to have them back fit. Managers will say, "Yeah, you've got ten days. You've got fourteen days. You need it," and and it's about 
as ever, who copes with the bends? Uh, final World Cup question. Final question for this episode from Shane Hurley. Who's, We're enjoying an exciting start to La Liga. Have your expert eyes spotted any players that could be late new call-ups to World Cup sides due to a good start to the season? So I wonder if either or both of you have maybe one player who you think could come up on the rails and end up going to the World Cup. Um, in terms of players that are not in the squad that I think, well, I wish were Zubi Mendy at Real Sociedad, Kukurea. Um And we were talking, Graham and myself, last night about Willy Wonty call up Ramos. Um, Spain don't really have a first-choice right-sided centre-back um, if Ramos plays every game for PSG between now and the, the time he names his squad, it's got to be a possibility. Um, so I'd throw those three names into the ring, but I think Luis Enrique is pretty sure already who, who he's going to take and not going to take. And we know that Poirot Aspas is in the list of uh, those who are not going to be taken. Absolute mad outside candidates. Um, Pete and I share an affection for the alliterative Momocho who's unfortunately, because of molestias, had to withdraw from this France under-21 squad. But given the absolute mess that France are in right now, and if you look at the, the 11 that they're going to turn out tonight with a, a brutal injury list, the idea of Momocho making a, a late run might be pure romantic folly, but I am absolutely head over heels about that footballer. <clears throat> and on our, on our similarly uh, wacky races... Um, outside bet for for Spain again my my eye has been caught completely by Jukla who got moved out of Barcelona for for the tiny tiny wage he was earning because really they didn't think there was any possibility that he'd be able to wrestle with um, Lewandowski and Ferran Torres and, and Sufati and the two wingers for a consistent place up front but in Belgian football he's been ripping things up and one of the things that that I thought I saw in him was that he's a completely different forward from anything that um, Spain have got. He's an old-fashioned penalty box courier, as they say in Dublin, who's got... There's something about his ability to conjure goals. And I suspect that in, in both big club and national team terms, he'll be an acquired taste so that by the time he's 25, 26, people will be saying... That guy has, has really got something. It might not be 30 goals a season, but big goals. Totally unfazed by pressure or atmosphere. And therefore, um, Shane, I'm not expecting either of them to outright be there. And for me to be able to say, you know, in, in early November, look, see, I told you. But you asked me, you asked me to dream and, and I dreamed a dream. And that's our show for this month's Q&A. Pete Jensen and Grim Hunter, thank you so much as ever. Thanks to everybody who sent in questions and thanks to the rest of you for listening. We're going to be back very soon with some more big interviews. Until then, enjoy your football and goodbye. Small details are big surfaces. Tight corners are odd shapes. Flat, rounded, textured or tall. Whatever your next project, there's a spray paint pattern that's just right. Because Rust-Oleum's new Custom Spray 5-in-1 gives you control with five different spray patterns. So you can tackle nooks, crannies, edges, and curves without worrying about drips, runs, uneven coverage, or anything else. Custom Spray 5-in-1. Only from Rust-Oleum.